want to boo, y'all can boo. And, uh, and I remember I've been to some churches, and now I'll never forget, I went to one church to preach, and I was supposed to be preaching for a pulpit committee. I was only 18 years old, and I walked in the door to them singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And my granddad was with me, and I had my parents with me. I looked at them, I said, man, you got to be kidding me. And, uh, yeah, I didn't get asked to come back to that church. <laughs> we'll be on the different side there. But we're glad to be here tonight. Amen? Uh, I think he did this on purpose to make me stand up here to see how long this aisle is. That's right. Man, this is starting to look like torture. <laughs> All right. Amen. All right. Let's uh, turn our Bibles to Ruth chapter 4 tonight. Ruth chapter 4. And uh, last night... Uh, Kaylee was asking me, said, asked what I was going to preach, and I was struggling between two, and I was leaning more toward another one. Uh, and she said, man, I was hoping you were going to preach the message on Ruth. And uh, as I got home last at night or got back uh, to uh, the house and I began to study and look over notes, uh, the Lord settled me more on this message. And just as the day's gone on, I've had more peace about this. So I ask that you pray for me. I just want to be a help uh, here this evening. Ruth chapter number 4, we'll begin reading in verse number 1 and read down through verse number 10. It says, Then went Boaz up to the gate, and he set him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Hold such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And uh, he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, Selleth the parcel of land, which is our brother Elimelech. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then uh, tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee. He said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, or then said Boaz, what day thou buyest the the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of uh, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up uh, the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. This was uh, the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing to confirm all things a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe and Boaz said unto the elders and to all the people, ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and all that was Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you for this evening, Lord. I thank you for allowing us to be able to come unto your house this evening, God. Oh, we thank you for the good songs that's been sung here this evening, Lord. And God, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of your scripture, God. I pray that you'll give me the words to have me to say, hide me behind the cross, God. I pray, Lord, that you'll just speak to our hearts and minds, give us something we stand in need of, I pray. And in your name, amen and amen. 
Uh, now, Ruth is a very uh, wonderful book. Ruth is uh, probably about my second favorite book in the Bible here. Uh, and I love the story of Ruth. And I want to try to, and I know a lot of people are familiar with it, but I want to kind of look through Ruth and uh, build up to what the message is here. Uh, so if we go back to chapter number one, we're introduced to a man by the name of Limelech and a woman by the name of Naomi. Uh, and they have now living here in Bethlehem, Judah, I uh, found out that there is a famine in the land. And, uh, but they've heard that there is not a famine over in Moab. So uh, Limelech decided the best thing to do was to pack up and go over to Moab uh, uh, so they would not have to suffer through the famine. Uh, and that's what they did. They packed up them and their two sons. And while they were in Moab, uh, Elimelech died. And so that left Naomi with just her two sons, Chilion and Malon. Uh, uh, and the two boys has taken themselves wives of the women of Moab. Uh, and so while they were there, all of a sudden, uh, uh, Chilion and Malon has died. They passed away. Uh, Naomi finds herself in an unfamiliar land. It's a land that is not home. Uh, uh, and she does not have her uh, husband anymore. She does not have her children anymore. Uh, so she decided that uh, she was going to pack up and move back home to Bethlehem, Judah. Uh, and she got her two daughter-in-laws and said, look, what I want y'all to do is I want you to go back uh, to your people. I want you to go back home. Uh, uh, you're more familiar here. Uh, matter of fact, I, I can't produce any more children. I'm too old. Uh, and even if I could, you would not want to wait for them to grow up. Uh, uh, so the best thing for you to do is to go back to your people. Uh, and so we see here the two daughter-in-laws being Orpha and Ruth. Uh, Orpha kissed her mother-in-law and she went back home. She wasted no time. She said, okay. She told me it's better for me to go home. I'm going home. Uh, so uh, she's left and she's out of the picture, but Ruth is still standing by. And Naomi said, no, Ruth, you need to go on back uh, uh, home to your people. And I'm going back to my people. And Ruth said, no, uh, Naomi, you're my family now. Uh, Naomi, uh, uh, you are my people now. Matter of fact, where thy soul lodgeth, that's where I'm going to lie. Uh, where thou liveth, that's where I'm going to live. Uh, thy God will be my God, your people, my people. Uh, Ruth told Naomi, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to stick by your side. And so them two went on back to Bethlehem, Judah there. Uh, and when they get back, uh, they find themselves uh, uh, in a uh, condition here that most women in their situation could not handle, but they were going to do the best they could. You say, what was that? See, back in that day and time, they purchased the land, uh, and for better understanding and our terminology, they mortgaged the land here. Uh, and the way that mortgage worked out was uh, you had to work the fields. You had to uh, produce the crops. You had to somehow use uh, that land uh, for something. And these two women here, uh, one being older and one being unfamiliar with the land, they were not going to be able to uh, uh, keep up with all that land on their own. Matter of fact, they couldn't even pay for the land because they are two widow women here coming back home uh, to Bethlehem, Judah. Uh, so really 
son said, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down here to a field uh, uh, and I'm going to find a field to glean in. In other words, uh, uh, back in this day and time uh, and the fields as the reapers were reaping whatever harvest was in at that time, uh, uh, they would drop something and if they dropped uh, uh, part of the crop that they had done pick, uh, picked, uh, they could not turn around and pick it up. Uh, they left it there for the widow women to come by and pick up uh, so they had something to eat to help take care of the widow women here. And so Ruth said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go find a field that I can glean in. Uh, I'm going to go find a field that I can work and help in uh, uh, to bring in some food for us, Naomi. And so she goes and she finds this field here. And little did she know this was a field of Boaz. And she talked to the servants there. And the servants said, yeah, you can go out there, glean. Uh, if they drop anything, you can pick it up. Uh, uh, but now Boaz is coming back into the picture here in chapter number 2, I believe it is. Uh, uh, and Boaz looks out into his field uh, and he sees this beautiful young lady working in the field. And he calls his head servant over and said, uh, uh, whose damsel is this? In better understanding in our terminology, uh, Boaz was going, hubba hubba, who is that out there in my field? Man, he wanted to know who that beautiful girl was. And they said, that's Ruth the Moabitess. That is Naomi's daughter-in-law. And Boaz goes up to Ruth and said, look, uh, uh, you've come to the right field. Matter of fact, don't you worry about going to any other field to glean. You stay right here close uh, uh, to my handmaid. Matter of fact, I've instructed them not to just let a little bit drop, but drop handfuls of purpose, uh, Ruth. Uh, you pick up and you carry as much as you can. Uh, Matter of fact, Ruth, when you get thirsty, I want you to go over to the watering hole and I want you to fetch you some water. If you get hungry, I want you to go over there with the rest of the workers and get you something to eat. You make yourself at home and don't worry about going anywhere else. And so here goes Ruth back home to Naomi and she's got all this crop that she's picked up for the day. And Naomi, if you can only imagine uh, her being used to the widows coming home with just enough to feed themselves. Uh, and here she's coming home with all this crop here. And Naomi's probably thinking, what in the world? Whose field uh, have you been glinging in? And imagine Ruth sitting there saying, man, I... I don't know who it is. It's some man by the name of Boaz. He told me that I could uh, pick up all this and he's instructed his workers to do this and this and this and this. Uh, and Naomi immediately knew who Boaz was. And she said, Ruth, do you not realize who Boaz is? She said, no, I don't know who he is. She said, that's one of my our near kinsmen there. That's part of our family. And uh, Naomi was already starting to think uh, on into the future of what could be here. And she said, Ruth, what I want you to do, uh, if he told you not to go to any other field, uh, you make sure that every single day you get up and you go to that field and you stay in that field uh, and you do just as Boaz has told you. And then we get on over into chapter 3. <clears throat> and Naomi has come to Ruth. And uh, again, for better understanding and better terminology, uh, Naomi was asking Ruth here, do you love Boaz? Ruth, be honest with me. What do you think of Boaz? And then Naomi begins to explain the, uh, what a kinsman redeemer is. And it starts to explain that him being a near kinsman would be the next one to marry Ruth here. And of course Ruth said, yes, I, I love him. Yeah, I, I would love to marry Boaz. 
And she said, let me tell you what you got to do. What you got to do is tonight you're going to get yourself dolled up. Uh, you're going to go down to the threshing floor where uh, they're breaking and beating that barley out. And I want you to stand by and I want you to wait till Boaz lays down and goes to sleep. And watch where he lays. And when he lays down, I want you to go lay crossways uh, at his feet and uncover his feet. He said, what's that? In that day and time, that was the way the woman would go and ask the man to marry her. And then at midnight, we can see in chapter 3, Boaz wakes up kind of being scared, thinking who in the world is laying at my feet at midnight? Man, they done uncovered my feet and everything. I'm freezing. And he called out and said, who's laying at my feet? And Ruth said, "It's, it's Ruth. It's your handmaid. And Boaz immediately knew what was going on here. And he said, what I want you to do is lay here. And they laid there and uh, they finished uh, talking through the night and they slept. And she got up and Boaz said, here, what I want you to do is I want you to go home and I want you to get yourself ready. See, there's a nearer kinsman than me, but uh, there's some things that's got to be worked out before I can say that I can take the place of the kinsman redeemer. So go on home and uh, get yourself dolled up and I'll be back over there in a little bit. And so here goes Ruth walking back home and Naomi as soon as she walks in the door goes, so who are you? She wanted to know if her last name done changed. She wanted to know if she was done Mrs. Boaz. And she said, well, Boaz said there's a near kinsman than me and he had some things that he has to take care of. He told me to come home and get myself dolled up. Naomi said, well, you need to do what he says. And then I can only imagine the human side of uh, Ruth here. Well, if there's a near kinsman than him, what if he wants all this land? What if he wants to redeem everything? What if he wants to take the... I don't even know who this guy is. Naomi said, you better rest assured, Ruth. If he told you that he was coming for you, he is not going to rest. He's not going to slumber. He's not going to take a break until the matter is taken care of. Go do as Boaz has said. And then we come here to chapter number 4 in our text uh, scripture here. It says, Then Boaz went up to the gate and set him down there. Now the reason that Boaz went up to the gate of the city in this day and time, they did not have courthouses to take care of uh, business matters. Did not have judges. That's why he had the elders there as the witnesses of the business matter. And so they're there at the gate of the city. He knew uh, what time that near kinsman was going to walk by. And he sat down and waited for him. Uh, and as soon as that kinsman walked by, he said, hold such a one, turn aside and sit down. He was saying, we got some business that we need to discuss here. And so he began to talk to that kinsman. Look, Naomi has come back from Moab and uh, they got this land up for sale. And uh, we need to, one of us has got to redeem it and you've got the first right to redeem it. Now in this day and time, they did not measure wealth by money like we do today. The way they measured wealth uh, was by how much land you had, how much livestock you had, how many servants you had. So in order to be rich, you had to have all this land and all this livestock and all these crops and all these servants. So so of course, if you had the chance uh, to take over some land, yes, in that day and time, you wanted that land. Why? Because it increased yourself here on this earth. And so of course, the kinsman said, yes, I want to buy the land. But Boaz was a businessman. He didn't tell everything up front. He waited for the bad news at the end. He said, oh yeah, by the way, when you purchase that land from Naomi, 
you're also going to be purchasing it from Ruth, the Moabitess. The one that her husband died over in Moab. You've also got to buy it from the Moabitess. You say, what was so significant about that? The Israelites and the Moabites did not get along. And also in that day and time, uh, uh, to get your inheritance, uh, you could not mix and mingle your bloodline with other bloodlines. And so this kinsman here that he is talking to, he knows in order to keep his inheritance, he's got to keep that bloodline the way it is right now. And that if he married Ruth and he took over that land, he's marring his own inheritance. And that's, so that's where he come here and said, no, I can't redeem it. And Boaz said, okay, if you're not going to redeem it, then I will redeem it. Now, in this day and time, too, they didn't sign contracts. Uh, they didn't spit in their hand and shake hands and say, okay, it's all good. They didn't just have a word of mouth uh, and have the witnesses there. There was something specific they did to seal the deal that everything was being passed off to the next person. You say, what's that? Well, let's look right here. Now, this was a manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. So in other words, in order to seal a deal in this day and time, if you didn't want to do it and you wanted to pass it off, you had to take your shoe off and you had to give it to the person next to you. And that's exactly what that kinsman did there. He took his shoe off and passed it over to Boaz. You say, well, why? See, a lot of people thought that that shoe was just another shoe. It, it, it meant absolutely nothing. But to Boaz, that shoe had some significance. To Boaz, that shoe meant a whole world of difference to him. It meant that all his wishes and all his wants were about to come true because he had a shoe. Can I say in our lives, uh, we're born into this world and we're born into a sinful nature and we're born uh, needing redemption in our life. And the person that's holding on to the shoe once we reach the age of accountability is the devil. And that devil knows that he cannot redeem us. And the devil knows that he can't do a thing for us. And what he has to do is he has to pluck that shoe off and give it to the Lord Jesus for our sake. Why? Because there's some significance in the shoe. But can you only imagine Ruth sitting at home waiting to see Boaz walking down that road. And every so often she's going over there and she's looking. No, I don't see him yet. Then she'll go over here, I, I, nope, I, I, I just don't see him yet. And then all of a sudden, way off in the distance, she looks and it's like, I see Boaz coming. Man, he's got a smile on his face. He must got some good news. Wait, wait, what, why in the world is he carrying a shoe? Man, can you imagine Boaz, and y'all can laugh at my crazy socks, it's okay. Can you imagine Boaz, here he is, he just... Let me just walk on down here to, uh, to Ruth. Swinging that shoe left and right, all happy and joyful because he's got a shoe for Ruth. And Ruth runs out there to him and says, Boaz, what, what's up with the shoe? Well, see Ruth, this ain't just a shoe. 
But this shoe means something. This shoe means all that land, it's now mine. That debt that was owed on that land, I've taken care of it. And see, because of this shoe, the bloodline is about to be redeemed. And because of the shoe, a wedding is going to take place. And Ruth, you just don't understand this shoe means something. Can I ask you tonight, have you got a shoe got for you in your life yet? Has the Lord received a shoe with your name on it yet? You say, what do you mean? That shoe means something. What does that shoe mean to us? Well, first off, that shoe means that there's someone being redeemed. I don't want to jump ahead of my. We'll start off with there's a debt being paid. My notes are up there. There's a debt being paid because of that shoe. Ruth had that debt on that land that was purchased before her time. And there's no way she was going to be able to cover that debt. But because of the shoe, the debt was taken care of. Can I say we're born in, into a sinful nature. Many, 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 many years ago, there's a man and lady by the name of Adam and Eve that was uh, put on this earth by God into a perfect world. They had no trouble, no heartache, no sorrow, no debt, nothing. But then sin entered into the picture. And because of the sin of Adam and Eve, it scarred all of mankind with a sin debt that we cannot pay. See, back before uh, many years ago, about a little over 2,000 years ago, uh, in order to pay that debt, every year they had to take a sacrifice to the temple. And that sacrifice had to be made to pay the debt of sin that you owed. But about 2,000 years ago, the Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. What are you saying? He sent His Son as a sacrifice for your sin and for my sin. See, we have that debt of sin. There's nothing that I can do to pay the sin debt in my life. It was a debt I could not pay, a debt I, uh, I just could not afford it. There's nothing I could do. I could come to church every time the church doors were open. Uh, I could give all my money to the church. Uh, I could pass out tracts. I could knock on doors. I could do all these great things, but it was not going to erase that debt I had in my life. But the Lord knew that over 2,000 years ago that me as a 7-year-old boy back in 2003 needed that sin debt paid for me. And knew that I needed a shoe taken for me in my life. Why? So I would have to be able to go debt free. What do you see it saying? He got that shoe for us to pay the debt of sin for us in our life. But can I say also because of the shoe, not only was a debt paid, but there is a redemption taking place there. The bloodline of uh, uh, Malon needed to be redeemed there. That bloodline had been cut off. And Boaz was to take the place as the kinsman redeemer to marry Ruth and continue that bloodline going on to raise up the inheritance of the name of the uh, the inheritance on the name of the dead there and continue on for them. Ruth needed redemption in her life. Can I say each and every one of us, 
When we're lost on our way to hell, we need redemption in our life. What are you saying? See, again, we have that sin debt and that debt's being paid. But when that debt is paid, there's redemption that begins in our life. Amen. What redemption? That redemption from sin. That redemption uh, from uh, our past and our present and our future sins. Uh, uh, And it uh, saves us and redeems us so we can spend eternity with God in heaven. Amen. What are you saying? You say, well, I am a good person. I I don't need redemption. Well, the Bible says over there that there's going to be many in that day, at the day of judgment, that's going to look at him and say, have I not done many wonderful works for thy name? And God's still going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Because they never allowed the Lord to take a shoe in their life. Because they never experienced that redemption in their life. What do you say? They've never been born again. They've never been saved. Can I say the only way that you're going to prevent going to a place called hell and be able to go to a place called heaven is you must be born again. Matter of fact, over there in John chapter number 3, Nicodemus, one of the rulers of the Jews, uh, one of the high-ranking people in the Jewish church, uh, has come to Jesus and said, uh, oh, Rabbi, we know that thou art a uh, prophet come from God. And Jesus said, Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. In order to see the kingdom of God, you've got to be saved and washed in the blood of the Lamb. You've got to have redemption in your life. But can I say not only is because of the shoe with the debt paid, and not only because of a shoe was there redemption taking place, and can I say the redeeming redemption starts when we get saved, but the us to be fully redeemed is when we get to heaven, amen. But because of the shoe, there is a wedding that was going to take place. Oh yeah, her debt, Ruth's debt was being paid. Oh yeah, uh, Ruth was going to be redeemed. But because Boaz got that shoe, there was going to be a wedding take place. Ruth was going to become Mrs. Boaz because of that shoe. Can I say us as the children of God, we've got something to look forward to. Oh yeah, when that shoe's taken for us in our life, uh, when we get born again, uh, our sin debt is paid. Uh, that debt has been paid. Uh, uh, we begin that redemption process. We've been born again. We don't have to worry about uh, if we die before we wake up where we'll spend eternity. But we also have something else to look forward to. What's that? Us as the children of God, we are considered the bride of Christ. And one day, uh, uh, us as the bride of Christ, uh, our groom, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to come out uh, riding a horse uh, and with the voice of an archangel and call us home uh, to be with him forever in the clouds. What are you saying? I'm going to go back up here and read that scripture because I can't quote it. First Thessalonians over here. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, 4, verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, uh, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the uh, clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What are you talking about? That's that great wedding day that we can be looking forward to. Why? See, we're living in some of the worst of the worst days. We're living in a very simple time where it is normal nowadays 
to walk out in public and see someone get shot and killed in broad daylight. It's just the day and time that we live. There's wickedness on every street corner. It gets hard sometimes. Sometimes what happens is it makes us start to long for the day. We start talking about our singing a while ago. What a day that's going to be. When our Jesus we shall see. When we look upon his face. Amen. What a day it's going to be. When that wedding day takes place. What are you saying? Because of the shoe there's a wedding going to take place. Now back mm, April 4th of this year. Went up on Raccoon Mountain, got down on one knee. I didn't have a shoe. I had a ring. And I got down and asked Kaylee to marry me. And because of that ring, that signifies that there's a wedding that's going to take place in just a couple weeks. There's times since that day, it gets hard. Why? Because we love one another. We long for the day that we can be with one another forever. That, that's just something that God puts in one of us when God gives us our spouse that he has for us. And there's days it gets hard. And I remember one Sunday, I, I was struggling really hard. Matter of fact, I was getting ready to go preach this message at a church down near where I live. And I was struggling for the fact because it's always hard the day after we have to say goodbye. Lord willing, tomorrow evening I'll go home. Uh, and try to get back for work on Tuesday. And probably Tuesday is going to be a rough day. Why? Because I've just spent three days with her. And now I've got to leave her up here and go back down there. And I remember that Sunday I was struggling because I had to leave her up here and I had to be down there. And especially as a preacher, I wanted her with me. But I understood that God had things for her to do here that Sunday. And I was struggling and she texted me. She said... Only, I believe it was 167 days, what she said. She said, only 167 days, and that was it. Man, the biggest smile come across my face, but then God snapped, said, hey, only a little bit while, longer, and you, the, the groom is going to be coming. Just a little bit longer here on this earth. And all of it's going to be over. You say, Brother Joshua, I've heard my whole life the Lord's coming back. Yes, and we're closer now than we was yesterday. We're closer now than we was five minutes ago. The Lord is going to come back with a shout to, to receive us as His bride. Why? Because of a shoe. Can I ask you this evening, has a shoe been taken with your name on it? I asked it earlier. Has that shoe been taken? You sit here tonight and say, no, I, I don't believe a shoe's been taken. No, I, I, I've never truly asked the Lord to save me. I've never, I can't recall a time where I remember getting down on my knees or being somewhere under conviction and the Lord saying, hey, you need to get saved and asking the Lord to save me. Hey, tonight would be a good night. Be a great night to get saved. Why? Because we're not promised the next breath. See, had I not given her a ring back in April, there would not be a wedding going to take place in two weeks. Had I not got born again as a seven-year-old boy, I couldn't have lived the rest of my life with the assurance that if the Lord come back, I would be going with Him. But what? I can lay my head down each night and know where I'll spend eternity when He does come back. Do you have that peace tonight? Have you gotten a shield?
for you in your life. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I ask you this evening, if, if you have not received that shield in your life, if you have never, and you can't recall that time of asking the Lord into your heart, like I said, tonight would be a good night. Bury up in the altars or sit where you're at and ask someone to come over to you. Someone will take the Bible and show you how to get saved. Someone will tell you and lead you down the path that you need to go. If you want to do that decision tonight, as they begin to get ready to play and we can stand and heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you know someone in your life, maybe you are here saved, but you know someone in your life, someone in your family that they've not received that shoe yet. Maybe you want to do business with God and ask the Lord to deal with their heart, deal with their life. Maybe that you can be the witness to them to lead them to the Lord. We need more soul winners in our churches. We need more soul winners in our communities, at our jobs, at school. We need people that's going to have a burden for lost souls and want to see people saved. Amen. Dearly Father, Lord God, I thank you for this evening, Lord. And God, I thank you for all your many blessings. And I thank you, Lord, for the day that you saved my soul. And God, I just uh, never get over that I can have that assurance now till the day I die or until you come back, Lord. Because I got that shoe in my life. God, I pray that you'll deal with the ones that are here lost. That, uh, God, they won't be able to sleep at night until they do business with you, Lord. God, just deal with hearts. Give us what we stand in need of. We begin to play softly here tonight. Heads are still bowed. Eyes are still closed. If you need to do business with him, you come.
thank you, Brother Josh, for the message tonight. Let's pray. Let's uh, be back in our places on Wednesday night. Looking forward to the services here. Continue praying one for another. Pray for Miss Frances there as she's recuperating and also our pastor this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the message tonight and the messenger. What a great, great description to us tonight. You are coming soon. We do not know the hour of the day. But Lord, help us to live for thee as if it were going to be any moment. Now, Lord God, and direct us. Keep everyone safe on the road. Be with our pastor again. Help him this week. Bless him. Bless Brother Josh. He and Caleb. so good to see how you worked things out Thank you. with this young couple. And our blessings on them. Lord, help them in these coming days. Be with them in a very special way, both of their families and us as a church. We thank you for it in your precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.